1: from uh, Jerusalem. This is Powers in Play. And our special guest today, we are honored and delighted to have with us Ambassador Kirsika Leto, the um, emissary of uh, Finland, the representative of uh, the government of Finland in Israel. Welcome.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for coming. And uh, I will uh, go over parts of your distinguished diplomatic career in a moment. And our topic today uh, has to do with NATO and uh, the uh, future, the prospects for NATO's uh, progress following the uh, Russian invasion of uh, the Ukraine. On this program, we have a diplomatic wing and a defense wing. Of course, this is just a mixed bag, but um, our uh, guest uh, next to Ambassador uh, Leto is uh, former ambassador and former deputy uh, foreign minister, Danny Alon. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, on this side, we have uh, two uh, retired colonels. even though in Israel retirement uh, doesn't really mean that, it only means that you are drawing retired pay, <laughs> but uh, you are still uh, very much involved and informed. Reuven Ben Shalom, welcome. And uh, uh, Dr. Aran Lerman, um, in addition to your uh, military intelligence career, also a former deputy national uh, security advisor. Welcome all. Ambassador, uh, Finland has been a lot in the news uh, recently because of what seems a shift in its traditional policy of uh, staying on the sidelines. Um, We won't go uh, back into the use and abuse of the term Finlandization. Um, But the fact is Finland could have joined the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, but decided not to. Has there been now a rethinking, a reassessment of that uh, in Helsinki?
2: Well actually it's very much in the process now and this was triggered by what, what uh, the Russia's uh, aggression to, to Ukraine that we very rapidly prepared a new white paper complementary to our uh, government white paper on, on reassessing the security environment. In our neighborhood and in, in Europe, and this is now in the Parliament in the discussion and one element is a possible NATO membership it hasn 't been decided yet, but, uh, but I th- think we will see in the, um, in the course of this month some decisions, some decisions being made whether we want to join NATO or not. but we clearly see now that the popular opinion in in polls has shifted over one night you know one night after the, after russia 's uh, invasion to Ukraine. Now it's over uh, 60% of, of people are in favor of joining NATO. So there's a pressure from the people because they see what the situation could be. And, and also on the political side, we see many, many parties coming out of a more favorable position and, and willingness to join NATO. Uh, I want to emphasize that we, we, were not, we were not military aligned until now, but we were not neutral in any way because we were a very active member of the European Union and wanted to develop the European Union uh, security and defense policy, which we still find important, but now there is a very serious discussion about uh, possible NATO membership. It hasn't been decided, but we will soon see what is the outcome of the discussion.
1: Earlier in your career, you were in charge of NATO affairs for the uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Mm -hmm. and uh, you were also uh, on loan seconded to the uh, Defense Ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, And apparently at that time, These um, alliance affairs were not at the center of attention for the uh, Finnish uh, public. As you said, public opinion shifted dramatically. Mm -hmm. According to one poll, it went from 22% to the uh, 68% Mm -hmm. uh, which you um, uh, referred to. There is some obligation, of course, Mm -hmm. in joining such an alliance. You will have to come to the assistance of other countries, Mm -hmm. Chapter 5. Um, Was that one reason why the Finnish public uh, was not so supportive of the
2: idea earlier? I think we didn't feel the need to to join NATO, we developed very close partnership with NATO since 90s. We've been uh, working with NATO in, in operations, in exercises, in all kinds of. We came, I think, as close uh, to NATO as, as it is possible without joining. Basically, we're very, very, very uh, interoperable with NATO, and and we always wanted to to make sure that you know, if we want to join, we had this uh, NATO option all along, and one day if we need to do, use it, then we would there would be no obstacles. So. Um, Definitely, the time when I was working on NATO issues, it was very much working on the partnerships and, and in, in the NATO operations and and, uh, and uh, I think this, well, as I said, there was a dramatic shift in, in the security situation in, in Europe and then we need to be able to reassess the, the um, our policies and also not forgetting the, the European Union role and the European responsibility for their own security and I think with uh, NATO, possible NATO membership, there comes, of course, uh, responsibilities. And we are, we are very much a security provider in our region. We have uh, maintained very strong military capabilities and strong defense forces, up to 280,000 uh, troops uh, in, if needed. And uh, also the, um, there's a strong um, willingness to defend, uh, defend the country militarily if needed, actually one of the highest in the world. And and then we have uh, also, uh, as I said, very strong capabilities. We just uh, decided to buy 64 F-35 fighter jets from the U.S., which is a a clear signal from the U.S. as well. This was already decided before uh, the Ukraine war started. So I think we, and we always thought that, you know, if need be, we need to be able to reassess the policy, and now is the time to do it.
1: Kjeldolman
0: Shalom. I wanted to ask you, it seems like... uh, you have everything that has to do with NATO besides Article 5. Mm-hmm. You have the military capability. Of course, you have the same, the same ideas, the same uh, ideology behind it. Powerful military. So many things going on. And you partnership with NATO. You have full interoperability with NATO. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, you could even fight together. So is it now this w- this awakening that, you know what, we have all of this, we should have just been a member, so we have Chapter 5. Yeah. Is, is that is that a calculation that you have? I
2: think that's it. We don't have the Article 5 security guarantees. And although we feel very strong, you know, and, and our policy was based on, on very strong defense forces and then partnerships with the close partners like U.S., of course, Sweden is is one of the main partners, and, and other Nordic countries, and then developing the European uh, security and defense policy and, and capabilities, but it's not a military alliance. So, and then also we, we of course uh, were developing and having a, having a good relations with Russia. One of one of the elements, and now this element is, is of course has changed fundamentally. So I think, and also the way we see that um, the how much risks Russia is 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 willing to take how much they're able to mobilize forces, and also discussing about uh, nuclear weapons and all that. So th- these are dramatical changes. So I think this made us to rethink that whether uh, the current system is enough, and, and we will see the outcome very soon. And, and as I said, along the membership, possible membership comes the responsibilities, and we are all very ready for that.
1: Dr. Lehmann, had you still been with the national security staff? in Israel, how would you have assessed NATO's future when Finland, uh, as well as Sweden, want to join and other um, European countries in another part of the continent are being uh, deterred or threatened by Russia not to join, Moldova for instance?
3: Well, um, I think we can break this into two very different sets of issues. First of all, the magnitude of Putin's mistake in assuming that the West is what his ideo- ideologues have been telling him, rotten, cyberitic, um, uh, determined to go- live the good life without investing in defense. NATO is fragile. Um, the Trump administration did very little to bolster the alliance, and, uh, and the whole thing will fall apart in the face of a challenge. It couldn't have been more wrong and, uh, and the transformation of NATO uh, is by now I think makes actually a strong NATO, uh, I would say this very paradoxically, a strategic Russian interest because the alternative is a Europe led by a militarized Germany, which is enough to give all of us bad memories in this week. It chills. Um, I'm wearing the, uh, the the Dutch tie. I'm Dutch by marriage, and that's uh, to commemorate the befrading stuff, the Liberation Day. And we all remember the famous saying of General Izmy, "What is the purpose of NATO? To keep the Russians out, the Americans in, and the Germans in, let's say, in their place." Uh, and now
1: to bring the Finnish in, <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> as long as the Swedes.
3: It, now a strong transatlantic NATO in the full sense of the word is actually a guarantee of possible stability in Europe. And uh, and that is what I would expect to see on, in, in this respect. At the same time, I also can understand not Putin's action, but the Russian position on the idea that NATO should extend beyond the Dnieper. That, I think, was never really... A a realistic proposition
1: beyond meaning east of
3: east yes east of east uh, Ukraine Ukraine's regions extend beyond the river Dnieper deep deep into uh, Euro Asia Uh, and uh, and uh, that was I think never going to be a realistic proposition I think the leadership in Kiev understands it the European Union on the other hand is an important potential uh, partner and the whole the tragedy is. That there should have been, long ago, this idea that, uh, I think it was Jim Baker, who spoke about uh, Vancouver to Vladivostok, a community of nations with common interests uh, in the wake of Soviet collapse.
1: In what direction? And Putin took it, well... East to west or west to east? Both.
3: And, well...
1: As the globe turns.
3: As the globe... It is, uh, uh, you know, (laughs) a globe, after all. And, um, and I think Putin took Russia in a very different direction, simply to protect the power structure that, is, that would not fit in this kind uh, of, of Russia today, which would not fit in this kind of world.
1: Hmm. Daniel, please be on alert, because I'm going to ask the ambassador a question, and then ask you to uh, respond to it from the Israeli perspective. Why NATO? Why not? a bilateral defense pact security treaty with the united states would net not be enough because in israel of course uh, not really being uh, able uh, to be eligible for nato membership being outside europe which is good for eurovision but not uh, for the uh, alliance uh, we couldn't do it and there were of course pros and cons regarding uh, asking the us for Um, a defense uh, treaty. But Mm. in Finland's Mm. case, why not uh, do that?
2: Mm. Well, we already have uh, very strong uh, bilateral relations and military and defense in defense matters with US and with uh, Sweden in particular, also the other Nordic countries. But these are not, this is not a military alliance. I mean, this is not what they, they they are not the same as, as NATO Article 5. And I think now the situation is in such a serious status that we need to really consider. We want to, if we want to be part of the part of NATO, which is actually a, a, an alliance of democratic nations representing, I would say, free, free and democratic world. So and, and led by politicians. It's not led by you know military. It's yeah. it's um, it's a political military alliance. One um, one may
1: argue whether Turkey um, is uh, so democratic.
2: Well, um, that's a dis- another discussion, perhaps. But uh, anyway, it's a, a family of of uh, of democracies, I would when say. When Daniel say,
1: his Turkey, <laughs> his, his eye is up. Well, yes. I, I did drink Turkish coffee, but I call it Greek coffee. <laughs> Go Sorry. ahead, ambassadors. Sorry for interrupting. So
2: I think uh, this is a, a serious uh, time of thinking and, and what do we need now to make sure and, and, and this is we're not doing these decisions for, against anybody, you know, and we are doing it in order to secure our own, own security, to guarantee our own security, yeah. and also that I wouldn't necessarily speak about NATO expanding to sort of borders of, of Russia and so on. Actually, it's the these independent and democratic countries who are, want, want to join NATO as members, willing to join NATO as, as members of, of the alliance. So there should be, we should clear, in how do we express this? And, and we, de- of, of course, need also the bilateral relations and all that. But we are now also reassessing, reassessing in this uh, parliamentary discussion that, because it's still open what the outcome will be, uh, that what are the alternatives. And this also, of course, um, was discussed as part of the part of the subject. And, and then we will make the conclusion what is, what is needed uh, from our perspective uh, in order to guarantee our security. So I want to emphasize no decision has been yet made.
1: Ambassador Rayalon, um, there are Israelis who are against the Defense Treaty saying that uh, this will limit Israel's uh, freedom of maneuver in many um, um, military initiatives and in the nuclear domain. Uh, but there are others who are for it, uh, believing that uh, this will deter Iran and others uh, from attacking Israel. But uh, regarding a defense treaty. Versus NATO membership, what's your view? Okay, first a very short general comment, you know after Austerlitz
4: Napoleon said that he'd rather be Fighting a coalition than a member of one and of course in Waterloo. He was proved uh, uh, Wrong, but there's always this uh, I guess debate You know whether you want to join a coalition because there are a lot of uh, I would say uh, fringes that are not so much uh, um this you know advan- ad- advantageous. in in I would say in the case of of Israel I think that the disadvantages of being part of a military coalition or part of a military treaty with the United States outweighs the advantages of going alone I'll tell you why because from you know usually you you join like chapter 5 what is chapter 5 is about deterrence you know you mm. we do not need this deterrence because according to some uh, foreign uh, Uh, Sources we have our own capabilities in terms of strategic means to defend ourselves I think also from a conventional point of view We have proven ourselves to be very effective with the Air Force with the Navy and many other in between intelligence Of course, you know the largest uh, actually branch of our uh, military is intelligence. So it's about uh, alert and, and deterrence and if we are part of either NATO or, uh, alliance with the United States, then we feel our hands will be tied uh, We will have to consult and we feel like we are frequently attacked more than anyone else. So we need to be agile We have to be uh, very upfront in, in the decision-making and in the response Sometimes we have to do uh, preemption. You cannot really be a part of an alliance if you really want to do a real um you know uh, preemption right. right and the last thing especially with the united states is that you know we never asked american uh troops to defend ourselves almost never N- almost never yeah but certainly not in the fi- not in the, in the in the trenches i'm not talking about the patriots in uh, in uh, 91 uh, wow. but uh, see from a political point of view we do not want to have any american boy or girl shed their blood because that may change I would say the very, very strong relationship and the strong support that America, the American people have for us. Because we always said, we need your equipment, we need your intelligence, cooperation, political support, but none in terms of military fighting. So I think at the end of the day, Israel will always go it alone unless it is a regional Military Mm -hmm. Alliance and that could be in the wake of Abraham Accords. Mm -hmm. Maybe this can be seen.
1: Yes, uh, even uh, historically, Mm -hmm. of course uh, the uh, Middle East uh, defense Mm -hmm. organization middle or Middle East command of the Mm -hmm. early 1950s was supposed at Mm -hmm. one time to include Israel, but nothing came out of it, but regarding the military aspect Mm -hmm. uh, Ambassador Leto, could you please inform us regarding Mm -hmm. the popular base Mm -hmm. of military service Mm-hmm. Um, in Finland, conscription, mm-hmm. um, is it a militia type, um, Swiss model, which is also Israeli, of people serving for a time and then uh, being uh, enrolled in the reserves?
2: Mm. Well, as I said, we have made with very strong defense forces and, and uh, we have a conscription army, it's mandatory for men, voluntary for women, and increasingly young women also want to to want to be serving in the service. And uh, there is a very strong um, support for that. In the popular sometimes, you know, before it was asked that if we were NATO members, could we maintain this system? But of course, we, we could. And actually, we we feel that this is the basis of our defense. You know, if we would join NATO, you know, we would still very much uh, be be responsible and, and, and uh, for our defense.
1: Including the 2%... Threshold for of uh, the budget. Absolutely. For
2: it, we will now actually exceed it when with the new Acquisitions with the new fighter jets uh, being uh, being purchased from from the US We are also buying material from Israel We will buy more now because we also increased our military budget as a, as a consequence of the Ukraine war so uh, That will not change we will maintain that and and we actually we, we feel that we are a very much um, uh, a security provider in our region, in the Baltic Sea region, and of course, we see very much NATO being also uh, an actor, which is promoting security and stability in, in in whole Europe and also within our region. And we we of course are are doing our our share, and we feel that we very much contribute to the security by maintaining the strong forces and and. Uh, and we always did that, you know, we were always ready for all kinds of uh, scenarios. We were not hoping to see Europe in this situation one day, but as you see that well, how we maintain the conscription army and, and very strong defense mm-hmm. capabilities. So we were prepared for this. And I think um, already since some years, since uh, some of the actions, because of us are in relation to what Russia is doing and, and how Finland is is sort of reacting, is, is that um, I think the army has become or the the, the the military service has become something uh, he, it used to be a training organization but i think now it's very much more a preparedness organization so. very well you mm-hmm. know, as an
0: outsider for many i don't think this is something mm-hmm. new for many years i yeah. see the finland as a country that has a you know credible army military mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And what's interesting to me when I read about Finland, it's not only, of course, the capabilities, mm-hmm. it's also the core values of the country and the resilience of the people. Mm-hmm. I think we in Israel have a great appreciation for this, mm-hmm. because, you know, if you have a strong army, but the people are not resilient and mm-hmm. don't support, you know, you have nothing. Yeah. So, like, I perceive a future mm-hmm. in which Finland is attacked, where that is a country where mm-hmm. it will defend itself to the end, okay? Mm-hmm. Um to the victory, I, I a, not to, the to end. victory, <laughs> to the to the good end, to the good outcome. I I have to ask, and you know, I want to be careful because it's very typical for a bunch of Israeli men, you know, where we can't solve our own problems, we can give advice to everybody else. So so I'm not giving advice. But
1: Finland has a woman prime minister. So yes.
0: but so and I want I want to ask, and I know it's a difficult question, but. Um, uh, this war now with, with Russia, you know, we can't perceive this in typical Western eyes like Vladimir Putin, this evil guy just went berserk and is doing bad things because he's a bad person. You know, There are interests and calculations, maybe even um, miscommunication mm. uh, perceived by him as if he's being threatened. Mm. Uh, and my question here is right now at this point, I can understand why a, a, a citizen of Finland would say too bad we're not in NATO because we would be protected under mm. Article mm. 5. But right now in this situation, if we move forward as we speak, mm-hmm. as the war is going on in Ukraine, to join NATO, in, in fact, it will double the border that NATO has with Russia. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a risk that this will be mm-hmm. perceived by Russia mm-hmm. as aggression? Mm-hmm. And the Russians have said very clearly, you do this. I think they said this to you many years ago. You do this, there will be consequences. Mm-hmm. Now we already learned what they mean by consequences. So in a way, and again, I'm not giving advice, mm-hmm. Isn't can't be this calculation. You know, to Ed we're not there. Mm-hmm. Mm. maybe not right now, at Mm. least for the communication part, because ultimately they will be your neighbors. Mm. You will have to cooperate Mm. with them in in a peaceful future. So what do you think? So so
1: please, and and, uh, yes, this is a very delicate Mm. moment. Mm. But on the other hand, Mm. the Russians would have to split their forces, which are already deep in trouble in the Ukraine if they wanted to open another front. Mm. Please, Ambassador. Mm
2: yes it's a, it's a good question of course but we didn't uh, we were not expecting this kind of situation we were prepared for that and and uh, i think um, this has really changed the thinking in in finland and going through the options that that should we be part of nato finally because it's been a discussion there was not a, not a need to, until now perhaps we felt that our system was 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 good enough and one of the elements was having Good. and decent relations with Russia and that's our neighbor and they will remain our neighbors so i hope that uh, again one day we will have a difficult a dif- different time time in, in our relations but it might not happen tomorrow so um and as i said we are not this, doing these uh, decisions against anybody we are, are doing them in order to secure our in, guarantee our own security and if we feel that we need to take some action i think that when well, we need to do it from our own starting point our own uh, policies and, and, and uh, well we will see now Russia has been of course critical about uh, Finland or Sweden joining NATO one day and we know that we have heard it many times that, uh, at the same time they have also said that uh, it's up to Finland and Sweden to decide as independent countries what they want to do, what are their, their, their you know, choice, choices of um, defense and security choices. Then they have also said that there could be consequences and we have to prepare for those as well if we want to take this decision which we do it from our own strategic needs and and assessment and then we need to be ready for possible consequences but what they have been saying now uh, during the, the Ukraine war has been more or less what we have heard before, of course, the context is a bit different now, but they are quite busy as, as you said, in Ukraine at the moment. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes I feel that when is the good time to join NATO? If we want to join NATO one day, okay, if there are good days, then you don't feel the need to join join the alliance. Then during the difficult days, it, um, somebody might say it's not possible to do it. So I think we do have to do those these decisions as an independent, you know, and, and sovereign country from our study point, not to provoke, not to escalate anything, and. And um, definitely, uh, one day hoping to have. Uh, and, and we will see what you know we can. Uh, we have an open channel to Russia. Also, our president has been discussing with Putin and all that, uh, as well as part of the, the international community efforts efforts to to try to have some influence to to end this this horrible brutal war. So um, yeah. Maybe that's in a nutshell.
1: I know you brought your, your responses from home, no, regardless of my question. <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: I actually wanted to raise a, a new idea that came to me, as, as you say. Uh, of course, if when Sweden and if and when Sweden and Finland join NATO, uh, it more or less would turn the Baltic mm. into a NATO lake. Mm. Mm. And the Russians would need some assurance at the level not of mm. Putin as an individual, but mm. the Russians as a people, as for the f- uh, for the future of St. Mm. Petersburg and Kaliningrad, mm. Mm. in terms of the existing territory. I know that Finland was abused and and, and uh, dear parts of historical Finland taken in the in the Winter War, mm. despite mm. the sublime heroism mm. of the Finnish people. Mm. But to uh, uh, in order to secure mm the situation i think the russians would need some kind of guarantee of the, the uh, territorial status quo in the baltic uh, as as part of of what would make it possible for them to swallow hard and accept a new reality is that on the agenda
2: well i think that you need to ask from from nato for instance and from you know um, as we, as we are not part of those, those discussions yet, although we have intensified the in information exchange with NATO since the Ukraine war started. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's better to maybe, maybe ask, <laughs> ask NATO what the plans are there. But I wouldn't say that, you know, Finland or Sweden, we, we are not going to, you know, attack Russia we are not. We are not threatening anybody. I mean, this is uh, absurd. Even think. Uh, and the I think Russian capability
3: yeah. to feel threatened mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. as deep as the step. Yeah. I, I remember seeing a, uh, a briefing that Israelis mm-hmm. received visiting the Russian military academy. Mm-hmm. And there were two. The, the first slide was of two ravenous wolves mm-hmm. with bloody snouts. Mm-hmm. One was NATO. Mm-hmm. That's not to be. That's mm-hmm. not unexpected. The other was the EU. Mm. Now, the EU was a ravenous wolf. I think squirrel would be a bit more mm-hmm. in the... Sheep United. in wolf's clothing. <laughs> but, but So the Russians' capability of feeling mm. threatened is, is impressive. Although Iran,
4: interestingly because, enough, mm. they did not feel this uh, threat or vulnerability in 1941 when they did not expect or did not uh, mm. prepare for an attack from the Nazis in the well, Barbarossa yeah. operation. Oh, yeah. So mm. I think this is also something which is uh, adjusted... Mm-hmm. to their ideology at a time. Stalin was busy uh, destroying
1: his own army. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you're part of the continent, the Nordic countries, mm-hmm. the three Scandinavian countries. And uh, interestingly enough, we have seen uh, former uh, Scandinavian uh, politicians, mm-hmm. such as uh, Carl Bild from mm-hmm. Sweden, the former mm-hmm. prime minister and then foreign minister and uh, Rasmussen from Norway, uh, Mm. former prime minister, Mm. and then NATO Secretary Mm. General um, come out with Mm. with strong support Mm. for Finland and Mm. Sweden joining uh, NATO. But is there also uh, a subcontinental grouping Mm. for the four countries? Um, because okay. up to now, Nordic countries. your 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 uh, uh, main claim to fame uh, had to do with peacekeeping forces, including on the Golan Heights, right? The mm. Finbad? Finbad. Yes. Fin, um, yes. and And um, we had, of course, uh, Trigvelli and then Gunnar Jaring and, mm. and many other mm. diplomats and even mm. a Finnish diplomat who tried to settle the differences between Israel and Egypt on the nuclear issue. Exactly. So is there is there uh, also a shift regarding a regional mm-hmm. subgrouping?
3: No, not to mention, in by the, the way, that Defense the best voice on Iran is, in, is a Finn, Oli Heinonen. Yes, mm. yes. <laughs>
2: Uh, well, defense cooperation with um, between Nordic countries, five Nordic countries, has been very strong already. NordEfco in, in different forms, you know, in, in exercising, in, in, in really um, all kinds of uh, joint operations, and, and uh, so that has been there all along already, and that's one of the one of the main. Well, like I said, Sweden is is one of the main partners, and the Nordic countries. It's our our reference kind of first reference group. And if you look at the capabilities by the Nordic countries, it's also quite significant as, as such. And then we have been, of course, we see European Union as, as another layer of our security framework. It's not a military alliance, but it's a strong political and, 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 and broad uh, um, union uh, representing the same values. So we have been working on all these regional groupings even some others like um, joint expeditionary forces where they have the Nordic countries and also the Dutch and the British. So this has been what we've do, been doing all along working in different r- regional groupings as well on, on military and defense defense side and that's what we're gonna continue doing. I mean it's, it's, it's natural we need these different different elements and, and to, to pillars to strengthen our 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 security and, and uh, security of our partners. I mean we also need to as I said contribute and and, and, and be part of the
1: now Israel family. is yeah. Israel is an interested observer mm-hmm. um, to what uh, is happening uh, in the Ukraine. Of mm-hmm. course uh, it has uh, expressed uh, its moral outrage, mm-hmm. but strategically it has tried to remain mm-hmm. as uh, neutral as possible because of the Russian presence uh, in Syria, mm-hmm. mostly just mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to simplify uh, mm-hmm. the issue. Finland um, on the other hand is much more interested and it is crucial for you how this all turns out. What is your uh, best intelligence, best assessment regarding how long this is going to go on? Are there reasonable terms on which Putin and Zelensky can agree?
2: I wish I knew. I, I wish I would have an answer to that. Uh, I'm afraid uh, we, it might take some time before there's going to be any settlement, and I think now that we see the increasing also material and, and and support that Ukraine is getting from the U.S. and, and also from the European countries, Finland has been also sending uh, defense equipment to to Ukraine several times already, um, and I think this is something that Ukraine and and um, free and democratic world cannot lose. So and and. Um, it's very hard to say how, how long it will take. I, what, I would you hope consider? it would go, we, there would be a, a solution. But uh, I don't see we, uh, we see any, uh, any, any serious negotiations going on at the moment. I'm not, of course, the one t- following them. I'm not part of them in, in any way. And, and they are certainly tense. But uh, at the moment, it, uh, it, it doesn't look very good in the short term.
1: The victim cannot afford to lose here. But what would you consider a loss? What you consider a defeat?
2: You have to ask the Ukrainians now. I think they they are as you know they need to decide on, on on they are an independent sovereign country who wants to secure their territorial integrity, which we very much support. And and we have to remember that this this war that Russia started, there was no provocation. There's no justification. And it's uh, it's uh, breaking the, the UN Charter, the serious breach of the international law, which is not acceptable. And we saw, see how united the West, Europe, European Union, USA, and other countries have been in condemning Russia. Uh, in the United Nations uh, General Assembly, 141 countries, including Israel, uh, were condemning Russia's aggression. Uh, in Ukraine, uh, Russia. Uh, as, as well with the support of, of, of israel is no longer part of the u.n uh, human rights uh, <coughs> commission and so this we see the response is very strong from the international community uh, at least from the west and uh, this is the kind of clear part <laughs> of it
1: Daniel Allen, you started your diplomatic career um, in the united nations in the, in the israeli delegation to the Uh, UN and this was when NATO following the end of the Cold War was looking for a raison d'etre it seemed as if uh, uh, its time uh, has come and gone and uh, they were going to be um, underemployed if not unemployed. Is there still a role for diplomacy when brute force is being employed? Can diplomats succeed? Yes, the, the
4: short answer is yes, and I think it would have been engaged in a more, I would say, comprehensive and effective way before the bro the, the war broke out. Uh, we all remember in uh, December, where there was a summit in Geneva between Putin and Biden, and I'm not quite sure that Biden completely grasped the imminence of the threat, and there was no uh, any kind of discussions, engagements, only when the Russians started. No, he,
1: he did send CIA Director Burns right. to warn Putin uh, right before that right. But
4: uh, but there was no kind of a uh, a a convergence of alliance, and the consequences to Russia were I don't think were bl- you know put in a, in a very blunt and detailed way. I think this could have made some kind of a difference. But I must tell you, Amir, I listened very carefully to. Uh, what Ambassador Lechto said, and I fully agree, that the West cannot afford to lose in this war. Mm-hmm. But I'm afraid, also from Putin's point of view, he cannot afford mm-hmm. to lose in this war. So we are now in the midst of a very, very dangerous mm-hmm. situation. Probably the most dangerous uh, since 1945. Sixty-two, or I think it's. I think we're even worse than sixty-two. I think we're even worse than 62 because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, uh, Putin is not uh, Khrushchev and uh, uh, and there are there some, uh, you know, geopolitical differences. And here, if there would not be any kind of maybe outside, you know, Gutierrez, the secretary mm-hmm. general was in Moscow, but to no avail. But I think if there and were he was in be- Kiev, and Russia and, and was bombing Kyiv, yes. like, yes. the United Nations uh, yes.
2: secretary general was in the, right.
4: hum, in the So hum, anyway, so. If, if there will not be some kind of, um, I would say, uh, reckoning. Um, Maybe even bring the Chinese in to influence uh, Putin. We are headed to a very 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 You won't be able to get them out grim situation. Of course not Because uh, I
2: agree that diplomacy has to be the solution and I believe in diplomacy as a diplomat You know you always need to believe in that but there were serious discussions before the, the war Russia started the war but there are certain principles that cannot be discussed like the, also the NATO open door policy which is fundamental principle of NATO and also for of course us not being part of NATO uh, at least yet so these are things that you can't uh, agree on perhaps you can't uh, negotiate but there were other elements that uh, the west was ready to discuss you know about arms control and sure. transparency and all kinds of issues and And uh, replied also to Russia's uh, demands on the letters they sent to different countries, but of course on you cannot uh, adjust some certain you know fundamental principles. Sure, sure. but I really yeah. hope that there will be a diplomatic solution and, and and of course sooner than later Turkey has been mediating there as well and, and, and uh, I
4: think now the most important thing is to offer the West mm-hmm. to offer a letter
2: mm-hmm. to
4: put it to climb down the tree. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid. The currency that will be paid by is Ukrainian currency. Mm. But, you know, if you talk real politics, Ukrainian interest vis-a-vis the international, the worst Mm. of the world, Mm. I think that the Ukrainians will have to give. I'm saying it with a very heavy heart because it's not fair and it was an aggression. But I think at the end of the day, in order to keep world uh, stability and peaceful situation, I think the Ukrainians will have to give in. Ambassador, what That's you should... Up, up, what up to the Ukrainians know, to decide. Course, and I think course. today
2: what you see in Ukraine and, and the spirit and the losses they've had, I mean, in in, in, in human uh, sure. human beings. Sure. And,
1: and, There's and,
3: no uh, way Russia can so. keep Marjupov.
1: Ambassador, you should know that um, Daniel Alonso former mm-hmm. political mentor mm-hmm. um, is the Moldova-born... Avigdor Lieberman, yes, yes. and uh, Danny's outlook is heavily inspired <laughs> by what you learned at the feet <defeat> of <laughs> Lieberman. I want
0: to make a, a comment. Mm-hmm.
1: I think we, A very short one. Sure, well, We
0: have a lot of experience here with uh, entities making up narratives. Mm-hmm. So they want to promote something, you invent a false narrative, and then it becomes reality. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what's the happening there. So Putin things. was able, in a way, to create this narrative as if NATO was against it. Mm-hmm. As if Finland joining will mm-hmm. threaten him. Mm-hmm. The whole concept is, is misguided, and I think NATO has greater world challenges. We just mentioned China now. That should be the main focus of the rise of China, mm-hmm. yet we're in this invented narrative that Putin created. Mm-hmm.
3: I, I think diplomacy has a chance for a simple reason. Uh, despite Lavrov's talk about the, uh, the Zelensky, the Jewish Nazi, or whatever nonsense is now sp- coming out of Moscow, which, by the way, makes me worried about the me- state of mind. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're looking at what looks like an impending defeat, and that's Really, I agree, that's dangerous, but they've already given up on going to Kiev. This is not going to end in the bunker in Berlin. This is not really denazification. They have already modified their aspirations. So somewhere out there, there is a point of negotiation.
1: Unfortunately, wars do not uh, have a rigid uh, time frame and are not pre-recorded like uh, this show. So uh, we can end and have to end our show while the war is going on. Uh, thank you very much, Ambassador Leto, for uh, coming to uh, our show uh, and blessing us with uh, your comments.
2: Danny Ayalon,
1: Reuven Ben Shalom, Iran Leman, thank you all. We will be back for another show of uh, Powers in Play in a few weeks' time. Hopefully, by then, we will know whether the war is about to end and perhaps whether Finland is about to join NATO or at least hasten the pursuit. And Sweden, too. And Sweden.
3: <laughs> Thank two you very two, much. I came into the arc. We will be back. Thank you for joining
0: us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.